Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. family. What an opportunity we have tonight as we gather together around the Word of God and allow the Spirit of the Lord to open the eyes of our understanding so that we can walk in a clarity where the things of God are concerned. You know, um, when Pastor called me this morning, he's visiting uh, some family and um, uh, introducing himself to our new grandson, uh, Philip James. But he called me this morning, and the first words out of his mouth is, uh, what are you hearing? And it was so um, uh, immediately uh, available, my response to him was, we've got to be so spiritually well, spiritually strong, spiritually connected, that we are able to walk in synchronization with what God has for us every step. Uh, When we see the importance of our spiritual well-being in the Word of God, uh, it's not something for us to take lightly. It's not something for us to to apply lightly either. Uh, We've got to give our emphasis to the things the Word of God gives emphasis to, and He gives emphasis to what our attention is on. He gives emphasis to the, uh, uh, the strong spirit of a man will sustain him. And so uh, one of the things that we have studied over the years uh, that is a fundamental part of this spiritual strength is the peace of God. And I'm going to go about this in a little bit of a different way than I would normally enter into a teaching on the peace of God because uh, the way the Spirit of the Lord dealt with me uh, to approach it in this uh, time and in this season of uh, bringing it to our remembrance is for us to identify Jesus' governing power in our life. And I'm talking about Him governing us by the peace of God. And Isaiah chapter 9, I want you to turn with me in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. And this is a scripture that we generally use around Christmas time uh, because it's talking uh, about um, Him as He's being born in the first part of this, but that's not the intent of this verse. And so I want us to look at this verse and I want us to see the identification markers of our Lord Jesus Christ. It says in chapter 9 and verse 6 of Isaiah, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. So now we know we're not talking about a baby. We're talking about uh, the, the, the Lord, the Redeemer, our, our master, the Lord Jesus Christ, it says unto him, uh, the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, 
the everlasting Father, and this is the one I want us to hone in on tonight, the Prince of Peace. His name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Whenever we find the name in the scripture, uh, it is identifying character, characteristics of that person. His characteristic in governing us is peace. He is the Prince of Peace peace. When we look at the word peace, we can't go any further until we define peace in the same way that God defines peace. Because if I have one definition and he has another, then we're not going to be seeing the same thing when we're talking about this. It, so we want to see it from his perspective and we want to have the same um, definition that he has concerning peace. So in our society, we define peace as serenity. We define it as tranquility. We say, well, it was so peaceful, and we're talking about it was quiet. There wasn't any chaos going on around us. It was uh, calm. All of those things are things that the peace of God will cause, those are things that happen as a result of the peace of God in operation, but that's not how God identifies or defines His peace. When we begin to study the word peace, and many of you have read the book, The Peace That Comes from Being Made Whole, that I wrote a number of years ago, it's probably 14 years ago now, that that, that book came about. But part, the main uh, um, first part of that book, the first section, is helping us to identify peace from God's perspective. And uh, if you look in the Hebrew culture, it was such a, um, a structure of the way they thought that they even, they even introduced themselves instead of saying, hi, how are you? When they're greeting each other, they came and they said, hi, how is your peace? How is your peace? Do you have the peace that comes from being made whole? And so that's a great way to define the word peace. According to the Old Testament definition, the peace that comes from being made whole or complete or sound, uh, another uh, way I've defined it is the nothing missing, nothing broken. So God's peace is not a condition but God's peace is the force that produces the condition. The peace of God is a force, just like the love of God is a force, or the joy of the Lord is a force. And those are things that may, may affect our emotions, but they don't originate in the emotional realm. They are spiritual flows or spiritual forces. For instance, Romans 14 uh, identifies it as a flow. It says that the kingdom of God, 1417, if you will, just go ahead and turn with me in your Bible to Romans 14. Let's look together at the verse here in uh, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. So if you are to read the previous verses, you'll find out that there was a, a, a discussion, a heated discussion, a disagreement even about... Uh, some people were eating things that had been offered to idols, but they knew that doesn't mean anything. They would 
offer things to idols and then sell it in the marketplace. They knew those, that's not real. That's, that, that doesn't affect me. That doesn't change my walk with God. But other people were hindered uh, by it. And so he's saying, don't eat meat if it's going to cause your brother to be offended, if it's going to cause someone who doesn't see as clearly their, their place in Christ, their being in Christ. So there were some people that were identifying, though, whether that meat was eaten or not, as to whether or not they were in the kingdom, whether or not they were operating according to the rules of the kingdom. And he's trying to bring them back over to the spiritual arena. He's trying to let them know this isn't about natural uh, um, uh, regulations about food. He says the kingdom of, of God is not about these outward structures, but it's about, it's about righteousness, joy, and peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. He's saying that's the structure of the kingdom of God, the spiritual flows, not the natural regulations. And so the righteousness of God, that's a force that is operative in the spirit of man. The joy of the Lord is a force that's operative in our heart, not our emotions, not our head, not our mental, but in our heart. And so he identifies here in the middle of that peace. The peace, righteousness, peace, and joy. So peace is not a condition or a frame of mind. It's not an emotional state. It is not an outward uh, expression of, of uh, calmness or serenity. But peace is a force that flows out from God into your spirit and from your spirit into your life. And so he says this peace is a flow of the kingdom. The peace of God is a flow that is meant to help what is God's will in heaven to be manifested here in our life. And if we want to see his soundness, his nothing missing, nothing broken, we need to cooperate with and, and participate in this flow of the kingdom of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace and he's going not to govern us with, with, with uh, chaos. He's not going to govern us with problems and with difficulties. He's going to govern our lives with a force, a force of peace. Now the result is going to cause a serenity in our home. It's going to cause a freedom from chaos. So the, that means the world can be in chaos around us, but we can walking, be walking in a peace bubble. And let me say it this way. We should be. We should have homes that are peaceful, even if everybody right outside our door is, is hysterical and worried and fretting and pulling their hair out and what are we going to do and full of fear. We don't have to let that in our home. And the way not to let it in your home is don't let it in your heart. What's in your home is a flow of what's in your heart. And if there is unrest in your home, it didn't start in the outside. It started in the inside of your heart. You've got to get in your heart and you've got to allow the governing of Jesus Christ. Jesus is not hysterical right now. He's not pulling out his hair. There's not one thing that you could find out in the morning. There's not one thing that's going to come to your attention through the news 
or through uh, a phone call or, or through a letter or through whatever, Facebook, any of that, that is going to cause Jesus to uh, become un un unnerved or disquieted. He is, he is governed by peace and he's going to govern us with the peace. Not just a condition, but a force that's going to cause a condition. And that's what I want us to see. And I want to even um, just use a couple of examples from the Word of God. First of all, one of my favorite people in the Bible is the Shunammite woman. And what an example <laughs> she is to us of how to respond when something happens that is outside of your control, but it's not outside of God's control. When her... her First of all, we see that she recognized God, she honored God, and she prepared a place in her home for the Word. The man of God in that day represented the Word of God, even to us today. The people in my life that God has placed as leaders in my life, my pastor, he is a representation of the Word of God to me. He, he, God has, has given me the gift of a pastor so that I have a, uh, an input into my life that uh, is a sure and a stable uh, flow of the wisdom of God. And that's what she recognized about the man of God, that this is the voice piece. This is someone who is representing God to us. And so she honored him in her home. And because of that, he in turn wanted to uh, reciprocate that giving and he said, what do you need? Do you need me to use my influence for the king? Do you want me to speak to the king on your behalf? She said, I don't need anything. But God saw into where she was missing or broken. And Gehazi recognized and picked up and he said, she doesn't have a son. And so the man of God said, call her back in. And when he did, he told her, you're going to have a son. And uh, look at her response. She said, don't mess with me. <laughs> Don't play with my emotions, please. That is the desire of my heart. And he said about this time, according to the time of life, by this time next year, you're going to have a child. And she did. She received where she had been missing or broken in that area of her life, the supernatural restoration of God, nothing missing, nothing broken. So when peace is at work, it is causing things that have been broken to be made whole. It's causing areas of our life that are missing things to be filled up. So there's a, restora a restorative sense, a restorative flow to the flow of peace. And so she received her son. Well, there came a time in her son's life that he died. We don't know. It looks like it was a heat stroke maybe. He had been out working in the field with his father and he came back in. And when he came in, he laid his head with a headache and laid his head on her lap and he died in her arms. And her response was a response that was based upon her knowledge of God, how he'd interacted with her, how he was steadfast and faithful to his covenant. She carried her child and set him on the place where she had honored the word in her home. And when she did, she walked outside to her, to her husband and she said to her husband, I need a cart and a driver because I'm going to see the preacher today. 
And he said, it's not the new moon, it's not the Sabbath, it's not Wednesday, it's not Sunday, why are you going to church today? And she said, this is in the Hebrew, if you look it up in the concordance, her response was shalom, which is the Hebrew word for nothing missing, nothing broken, the peace that comes from being made whole. So in one word, she said to him, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. Now, that's a weird response to a question, why are you going to church today? And her response is, I have the peace that comes from being made whole. I have nothing missing, nothing broken. But we can look and know why she was saying what she was saying because the enemy, the curse, was trying to bring a breach into her life and take from her causing her to have something missing and something broken in her life and she refused to have it and so she goes after the man of God she tells the person driving the cart don't slow down for my sake I want you to drive as fast as this donkey can carry us and it was evidently causing something when the man of God and Gehazi saw it he said to Gehazi I want you to go ask her meet her halfway I see her coming I recognize who it is meet her and ask Elisha said ask her uh, how is her peace how is her husband's peace how is her son's peace that's exactly what Gehazi asked when he came to her how is your husband's peace how is your son's peace how is your peace and she responded again I it, it shall be well the King James says but in the original text she said Shalom the peace that comes from being made whole nothing missing nothing broken well we know the end of the story Elisha came uh, he he face to face hand to hand he called that child's life back into his body and presented that son back to his mother whole and complete with nothing missing and nothing broken in their life. And the restoration was what she was laying claim to, the peace of God. That's what brought her son restored to her again was the peace of God in that situation. And God's peace works the same for us today and for you and I who are in Christed, we are born again, Jesus is our Lord. That means what goes on in my life, he has the right to govern it. And so he has the right because of his position as Lord of my life to allow his peace to reign, for, to his peace to consistently bring me into a place where I have nothing missing. If the curse tries to trespass on my, my property, tries to trespass on my physical body, on my mind, against a relationship in my life, the one who governs me, the Lord Jesus Christ, who governs through peace, he has the right to come in and restore whatever the enemy meant to break, whatever the enemy meant to steal. God can bring it back to me. He can make it whole again. And this is his desire in our life. So we're going to learn how to operate with this piece. I want to give you a second example. And turn with me, if you would please, to Mark chapter 5. Mark chapter 5 and verse... Uh, let's go ahead and read the entire story of what we refer to as the woman who was healed of the issue of blood. Mark 5, I want to start in verse 25. It says, A certain woman which had an issue of blood... 
a certain woman who had an issue of blood. So this isn't a parable. This actually uh, was a, a real account of a real woman who had a real problem that was causing her whole life to be disturbed. Her whole life was put on hold. Her whole life was affected by this ailment. You know, we can look back and see because of the tradition of that time that she wasn't allowed to be out in public uh, on a regular basis. When she went out for any reason, she had to remain at a, a distance from other people. She had to call out her ailment in public so that everybody knew, don't get near her. And it was an issue of blood that, that uh, a, a continual flow of brokenness, a continual flow out of her life that was causing uh, this destruction for 12 years. And it not only affected her physically and it not only affected her socially, but it affected her financially. It says that she had spent all that she had. And if it took her 12 years to spend all that she had, she must have been a woman of wealth when this first came against her life. It took her 12 years, but by the end of this 12 years, she had spent all that she had. Uh, she had suffered, it says, su suffered many things of many physicians. So she had tried everything that anybody promised her might even remotely possibly work uh, for her. And none of them had been successful in changing her situation or helping her. But she had continually, 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 continually worsened. And that's a gradual over 12 years of it from going from, worse, from bad to worse, from worse to worser, and, and continuing on in that direction. And so this situation didn't change until she made contact with the Prince of Peace. It says in verse 27, when she heard of Jesus, when she heard of Jesus, and you and I, we are faith builders. We know what happens when you hear of the word made flesh. When you hear, faith comes. When you hear, the, the, the light enters into the heart, and now you are begin looking for hope where you didn't have hope once before. When she heard of Jesus... She came in the press behind and touched his garment for she said, if I may touch just even his clothes, if I could just even touch his clothes, it doesn't have to be his hand. I don't have to touch his elbow. I don't have to touch his shoulder. If I can just get just a, a, a square of his garment, just a little corner of his garment, if I could just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. So what's on her mind now is wholeness. What she has received through hearing of Jesus has given her hope to reach for wholeness. I shall be whole. I shall have soundness again. So we know what she's going after is peace. She's going after what only peace can produce. I want wholeness. Well, that's what peace does. That's what peace is for is to make you whole. She said, I shall be whole it says in verse 29, straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Healed. She could feel it. She, and, and I'm not just talking about outward 
things, but I'm talking about she knew she got it. She knew before there was any, you know, uh, she knew she got it. She knew within herself that without having to test it for two weeks, she knew I've got it. it. She recognized when the wholeness came out of Jesus and came into her. And Jesus recognized it. Look at the next verse. Jesus immediately knowing in himself that virtue had gone out of him. That word virtue is the Greek word dunamis, which is also used in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 when Jesus said, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And he's talking about the miracle working power. If you look it up in the concordance, the Strong's concordance, it means miraculous power, uh, the worker of miracles. He knew that miraculous power, healing power, wholeness producing power, peace power had, had left his being and entered into her being. He knew she had received this miracle working power, this peace into her life and she knew it. Hallelujah. So now we recognize this is not an emotion. This is not a force. Do you see in both examples, the Shunammite woman and this woman, both of them encountered the peace of God. Both of them encountered this, this power that makes whole and it caused an area. In one, it was a family member. In the other, it was herself personally. But they both experienced a supernatural restoration in their lives because of this flow of the kingdom. And that's what governs us, family. That's what governs us. And this more than ever is a time for us to allow the peace of God to be the reigning force in our lives. So Jesus said to her in verse 34, look at this. Look at verse 34 of Mark 5. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Well, we know dunamis went out of him. A flow of God's miraculous power went out of Jesus and she knew she was changed. Jesus knew the force had, had, had flowed through him. But he said her faith has made her whole because faith is the wiring that connects us to the power supply of this peace. This is why in Romans 15 it says joy and peace in believing. Why? Because the joy and the peace are conduits for what I'm believing for, for the faith, that, that connection, they all kind of connect together. That faith is the conduit for it to flow into my life. He said faith had made her whole. Faith had made her sound. Faith had made her complete. Hallelujah. Faith has made you whole. So he's now saying she is whole. Faith has made you whole. If you look at somebody and you, if you look at a pie and you say that's the whole pie. That, that you're, you're saying there, not one piece has been taken out of that pie yet. Not one nibble, not one crumb, not one bite. Nobody's taken a big forkful out of that big pie. You know, they, the whole pie is there. It is still complete. But if somebody even cuts a little tiny sliver out of it, it is no longer complete, right? He's looking at her and he's saying, you are complete. 
Faith has made you complete. Faith has made you sound. You are whole. This very moment, you are whole. But then he says this. He says, go in peace and be whole. Well, hey, wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me I was whole? Why do I have to? If I Wait, what does that mean? If you say I am whole, but you tell me go in peace and be whole, what are you saying? He's saying that you can continue to live sound and complete and whole for the rest of your life. You never have to have another sick day. You never have to have another broken relationship. You never have to have another poor broke day. You never have to be broke another day in your life, sick another day in your life, worried another day in your life. You can allow the peace of God to have such a governing flow, a governing uh, direction in your life that not one curse can enter in and break down something in your life, not one. And if it does, God, that peace is just going to just, just come right, flooding right into that area and restore it to you. And if you read this from the Amplified, and I, I'm going to ask if they'll put the Amplified up there on the screens for you because I want you to see this and I want you to even mark it in your Bible. If you got a King James Bible, put it up there in the, in the margin so that you can remember that it says this because it says, go into peace, go into peace and be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. So he says, you weren't in peace before. Why? We know because it kept getting worse and worse. Can, so can you imagine the kind of, uh, of environment? I've been in, in that environment before where you just go from one trauma to the next, one chaotic moment to the next, one uh, uh, drama to the next. Pastor Marie Price, she said, those people are dramacidal. I, I just said, that is the perfect description for some people I know, dramacidal. They just want to go from one drama to the next. But then that person has experienced one destruction after another. That person is never in a place of soundness or completeness because they are, even if God tries to come in and repair things and fix things and restore things, it's not long before it's just back to the shambles again. So he says, go into peace and be continually, continually sound, be continually healed, be continually freed. Is that possible? It is when peace is reigning. It, and, and hear me, I'm not talking about your, your emotions. They're going to be affected. But I'm talking about the supernatural force in your heart that is causing restoration in every area of your life. It's going to cause your mind to be sound. It's going to cause your calmness and the tranquility and the serenity. But the serenity and the calmness and the tranquility don't cause peace. Peace is a force. Peace is a river. Peace is, is a river of spiritual power. We saw it in Jesus. New power had went out of him. She knew power had come into her. We can have that power consistently uh, gushing into our lives. Just like a, a river that is a rushing mighty river and it's, it's got a continual flow of force. You can even look on top and you can't tell that it's got a lot of power, but if you're trying to swim across it, the undercurrent is so strong underneath because it's a force. 
And that peace of God is, is taking out everything that's of the curse, everything that's trying to break you down, everything that's trying to empty you out, everything that's trying to weaken you spiritually. The peace of God is moving all of those things out and bringing a continual supply of strength and help and hope and, and uh, a restoration in your life. So... He says, go into peace. I want to read this from the Weiss translation as well, the Kenneth Weiss translation of the New Testament. He says, be going into a state of peace and be continually sound in body, healed of your affliction. There's your scripture reference for you never have to be sick another day in your life. Be continually sound in body. Well, the peace is also operating in my finances. I am continually sound in my finances. You know, when uh, the, the first uh, indications of COVID started coming up in the news, the Lord spoke right here to me and he said, I want you to say you're thriving. And I keep that in my mouth. I'm thriving. I thrive financially. Why? Because I am continually sound in my finances because of God's peace. He governs me with his restoration. He governs me. He governs our churches with his restoration. We are thriving because the righteous flourish like a palm tree. Hallelujah. We flourish. We grow like a cedar in Lebanon. He always causes us to triumph financially. Thanks be unto God who always gives us the victory, who gives us the victory financially in Christ Jesus. They, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich yet for our sake he became poor so that we through his poverty would be rich so therefore we are rich we call ourselves rich stocked and fully supplied thriving hallelujah and we can thrive in times that other people aren't and that's how we're going to show the goodness of god and be able to be a blessing to other people because we're thriving hallelujah so peace is a force that causes us to be continually sound in our marriage, in our finances, in our physical health, in our family, with, our, with the lives of our children. You know, there were times that my children were making decisions that were putting their physical lives in danger. And I finally came to the point where it says, uh, the, the scripture says, uh, great shall be the nothing missing, nothing broken of my children and where God promises me great peace. And I, t I told the Lord, Lord, if I'm your child and you said great is my peace because I'm your child, then, then it, would, it would hinder my peace if something happened to them in a way that caused tragedy in my family. And so God would keep my children <laughs> even when they were not doing things and obeying him. But for, the, for my peace, he's going to keep them well. From my peace, he's going to keep them from utter destruction. Hallelujah. And when we begin to allow the soundness of God to flow in us like a force, causing every area of our life to be sound, then we will be able to uh, display the goodness of God and we will be strong enough in our spirit to, if we're not broken, if we're not empty, if we're not tore up from the floor up, then we can act on the Word of God. We can be an example. We can do the work of the ministry. We can uh, shine our light, be the salt, be the light in, in the world 
But if we are as in the same condition of despair and destruction and, and emptiness as people without God, what kind of light and salt can we be? So it's not just for that purpose, but I'm telling you that God wants us whole. He loves you. He does not want you to have any broken place in your life. He is your heavenly father. Jesus is your pastor, your shepherd. He's given you uh, his peace so that you can experience his uh, continual flow of restoration. I want to look at Ezekiel 34. And uh, this is uh, inspiring to me. It's edifying to me because he put covenant not just in, um, in a way that we can see it's his will, but he put it in the form of a covenant. When, when we begin to look at covenant provisions uh, from the reason why God made them covenant, he made it covenant so it would be uh, black and white, so that it would be without question, so that there would be no confusion so that there would be no question as to does God want me to be whole here? Does God want my marriage to be whole? Does God want my finances to be whole? Does God want to restore this area of my life? If it's in covenant, then without question, I can see that I don't have to beg him for it. I don't have to wait and see if it's his will or not. I can see he established it. You know, when you have a contract, you can see, for instance, if you have a contract and maybe it's on a vehicle and they say if something happens to the uh, transmission, it's covered under your warranty. If something happens, I remember when I first got one of the, one of the uh, cars that I was driving back and forth in to Kansas, uh, uh, from Kansas to Little Rock, uh, it was not the Lincoln I have now, but the one right before it. Every time somebody would get in the car, and it just happened to be that that Sister Kathleen, <laughs> love you, Sister Cat. Sister Kathleen happened to be going with me uh, a lot during that time, and every time she would get in the car, all of my electric or electrical things would stop working. And we were, we were trying to go to the prison, I think, is what, no, coming back from Arkansas, I think. And by the time we got back, the things had shut down to the point I couldn't even open the trunk. I couldn't roll down a window. I, I, none of the electrical things, the air wouldn't work, so we were hot. <laughs> and, and it was pouring down rain, and I had to let her out. And I couldn't get the trunk open to get her stuff out of the trunk. It was, it was chaos. I finally continually took it into the dealership and they said well it's under warranty whatever it is we're going to fix it <laughs> thank you lord because and it was a a wire that was under that seat and when anybody would get into the passenger seat it would cause all of these things to short out and not work so it wasn't Sister Kathleen at all. It just happened to be I, she was the only person that ever was going with me at any time during that season. So uh, when we, we had a warranty, though, the warranty, I didn't have to question if they were going to fix it. I didn't have to question it. They said, said ma'am, we will, we will take this apart and put it back together until we find out what the issue is that is causing this to break down uh, and to short out in your car. They, they said, we're, gonna, we're on it till we fix it. We're, we're going to keep working it until we get it right. 
And that's what peace, peace is in a covenant form so that it will keep working until it makes things right. No matter how broken you are today, no matter how messed up your life is when you come to Jesus, the power of God's going to come in and this peace is going to restore and restore and restore. You know, when I came to him, I came to him with the clothes that were in the trunk of that stolen car. <laughs> that was all I had to my name. Yeah, I had lost, I had been homeless so many times and lost everything, kicked out, evicted. I mean, I had nothing except that little bit of, of things in my life. I'd lost my children. I've lost all of them. I had nothing. Where I am today is a result of God's restoration in my life. He restored my family to me. He restored my children. He restored a, a husband who loves me like nobody's ever loved me before. He restored, a, a, um, it, it is my whole life is different because of the peace of God that has restored every area and, and continually keeps it sound. My life is sound today. You know, when, when I came to the Lord, I had lived so chaotically for so long, it was so foreign to me to live a peaceful life. It was a foreign environment, a foreign atmosphere to have a life that wasn't always drama and, and chaos and things just barely get ahead and everything be gone, just barely get ahead and lose it all. Well, the peace of God, I had to learn to participate with it. When we see it's a covenant, it causes us to come on the basis of the covenant. And that's what we see here in Ezekiel. Uh, I, I want Ezekiel uh, verse uh, chapter 34. Ezekiel 34 verse 25. Ezekiel 34 25 says, I will make with them a covenant of peace. I'll make with them a covenant of peace. And I will cause the evil beasts to cease out of the land. And they shall dwell safely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. So in this covenant of, of peace, we have a provision of protection and safety. Protection and safety. If, if for God to keep us whole, he has to be able to protect us. That's why we've got to participate with peace because he wants to protect us and we need to bring our faith to that. God is able to keep me. When Goshen, the example of Goshen, Goshen was the area that the people of God lived next to Egypt. The people, the Egyptians who were right there uh, in their city, they were experiencing all of the destruction from their disobedience and their hard-heartedness and the plagues that were coming upon their nation. The people who were God's people didn't have any of it. For instance, all of the cattle, a plague came and killed all of the cattle of the Egyptians, but not one cow or sheep or oxen or goat was affected in the people of God. In the, the city of the, the Egyptians, they experienced a darkness that came so 
completely that they could not get up and move out of their places. They, they didn't get up and try to walk around in their homes. They were, they were stationary. They were stuck in that situation. But there was light in the homes of God's people. God is able to do that for us. He's able to protect us. He's able to, to bring a safety from things that other people are prey to, things that other people are experiencing. I know he would love to help everybody, but he can help his people in a different way. He can help his covenant recipients in a way that he can't help people who are outside of covenant. And in Christ, we're covenanted. In Christ, we're under contract. In Christ, we, we've got a warranty. You got a warranty on your hips. You got a warranty on your shoulders and your elbows. You got a warranty on your physical body. You've got a warranty that covers every aspect of your life, your marriage, your relationships. You're under contract. You're under covenant with God. Hallelujah. And he says this covenant, this contract will cause safety and peace. And then he says this, the tree of the field shall yield her fruit and the earth shall yield her increase. And they, they shall be safe in their land and shall know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hands of those that served themselves of them. So when it says the tree will yield fruit and the earth will yield increase, that means the things I put my hand to will prosper. My business will prosper. My employment will prosper. God will cause my, my workings and my activities to prosper, my endeavors to increase and to make progress. He's going to command the blessing upon the work of my hands. And then it says, they will know that I am the Lord when I have broken the bands of their yoke and delivered them out of the hands of those. There will be a recognition in your life of the freedom that God has brought to you. You will, you will know him as your liberator. You will know him as your, your peace provider. You will know him as your restorer. He, he is the one who has made my life worth living. He is the one who has brought our marriage back together. You're going to know it's him. You're going to recognize and acknowledge that it's him. And so that's going to be in your perception. It's going to be so clear because of how he is working in your life that it wasn't you it wasn't good luck it wasn't it wasn't your personality it wasn't just you know you just a coincidence no you're going to say that was the lord god did this for me god restored this to me god made this happen for me god opened this door god kept my that company open so i could have a job god has opened this door so that it could bless me so that i could be a blessing amen and so when we, uh, when we are experiencing this flow of peace, there's going to be a, a perception. You're going to be very aware of God at work in your life. And then he says this. Uh, he says, You will no more be a prey to the heathen, neither will the beast of the land devour them. Now, isn't that interesting that he brings that up again, a prey to the heathen and the beast of the land. So he's saying natural enemies and spiritual enemies. Natural enemies and spiritual enemies are not going to have any effect over you. If someone has set themselves against you to make themselves your enemy, 
You just keep walking with God. You just keep walking in love and walking with God because God is going to protect you from anyone who has set themselves against you. Whether it's the curse, you know, when it's talking about the beast of the land, that was because of the curse. That was because of the curse. But he's saying not, nothing that the curse can cause can effectively, successfully have a, a destruction in your life. It might try, but peace is going to meet it. Peace is going to be a shield against it. Peace is going to encounter that curse that's trying to creep in, and it's going to turn it back out. And so he says, these things will not happen, but you will dwell safely, and none will make you afraid. So dwell safely means I'm going to live in this environment. I'm going to live in this flow of protection, of safety, of provision, and restoration, and I will not fear anything. Nothing can make me afraid. Why? Because if peace is working, and I know it, I know peace and I know the provider of my peace, then there's not one thing that I could fear happening to me that I don't already trust peace would handle it. That God's res restoration, that's why he says, if any deadly thing touches you, it will not hurt you. Why? Because there is an outflow in my spirit that's flowing out of me that is restoration and soundness and not any virus or bacteria or germ or, or a trait in my family DNA or uh, um, uh, susceptibility of, of my bloodline to a certain disease. None of those things can override peace and, and take over the flow. Peace has the ability to govern all of the curse. Peace has an ability to govern over all sickness. Peace has the ability to govern over all destruction. Hallelujah. It will, it will trump the destruction. It will come, um, it will bring the mightier force than any destruction could bring. Hallelujah. So this is the covenant of peace. And then he says in verse 29, I will raise up for them a plant, I will raise up for them a plant of renown. And that means of honor, uh, of, of, um, uh, if something is renowned, it's, it's well-established, it's honored, it's something that, wow, I respect that. I will raise up for them a plant of renown, and they shall be no more consumed with hunger in the land, neither bear the shame of the heathen anymore. The shame of the heathen was famine. If, if a people, if a nation was under famine, it would mean that God's not ruling over them. If, if that was the shame of the heathen. That, that was a, a recognition. God's not Lord because when God is Lord, He makes my fields prosperous. He, he reigns uh, uh, upon my land. Uh, he, he causes my land to prosper. He, he causes thriving and fruitfulness. If God is in charge and governing over that people, the evidence is that they're doing well. I'm talking about as the, 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 this mindset, and this is truth, but I'm saying even in this mindset in the Old Testament, that they, they knew it's God who is causing us to prosper. It's God who is blessing our crops. It's God who is causing us to be protected from, from the, the devourer. And so he says, they will not be consumed with hunger or bear the shame of famine, of lack, lack 
is something that peace will deal with. Paycheck to paycheck is something that peace will confront. Peace wants to confront that, that paycheck to paycheck mentality and that, that not enough uh, and, and to start bringing in abundance and bringing in supply. Nothing missing, nothing broken in our life. So we can see from this description of the covenant of peace, he said, I will make with them a covenant of peace. And this covenant is a covenant that covers every aspect of our life and it is a legal representation of God's will in our life that these things be in, uh, in manifestation, this protection and this keeping power. Hallelujah. I'm going to uh, bring us to a close here in John chapter 14 because we started with looking at Jesus as the Prince of Peace. And I want us to recognize uh, in this chapter... Uh, he is beginning this conversation that he continues on through chapter 15 and 16. And he is dealing with specific things in his uh, disciples' lives that are about to change, things that are going to be established in a different way after he goes to the cross. Of course, we know he deals with how they're going to interact with the Holy Spirit after he goes to the cross. He says, before he's been with you, but from now on he's going to be in you. And it's better for you that I go away so that the Comforter will come. And when he comes, he's going to deal with you in this way. And he goes through all of the different specifics of how uh, that will benefit them in a greater way to have the counsel of the Spirit of God. He also talks about how that they had before that time uh, never prayed to the Father uh, in Jesus' name. But he said, after this time, you'll, you'll, he said, before now you've not asked anything of the Father in my name, but from this point on you're going to pray to the Father in my name, and whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give it to you. And so he deals with them about that. He also says to them uh, concerning the way that they walk in love towards each other. He said that you know you're supposed to love your brethren or you love your neighbor as yourself, but I'm telling you I want you to love each other the way I have loved you. So he sets a different standard. In all of these areas, he's, he's establishing what's about to be different from how they had done it to how they're going to do it after he takes a position at the right hand of God in this uh, exalted place as Lord of the universe. And he also brings out this point. And I want to look at verse uh, 27 of John 14. He says, Peace I leave with you. Now, they knew the definition of peace. They were not confused and had to stop and have a, a, a redefining of, I'm not talking about serenity, I'm not talking about calamity. You'll experience that because of the flow of peace. But I'm telling you, I'm leaving you the flow of peace that I have. I'm leaving you the nothing missing, nothing broken that works in my life. The flow of the peace that comes from being made complete and will cause a continual soundness to be at work in your life, I'm leaving that with you. My peace I leave with you. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. Now he says, I give you my peace, don't you let your heart be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. He actually says two things, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. 
No troubled hearts, no fearful hearts. And then notice how he says it, don't let it. That this is not something that is outside of your control, but rather it is 100% our decision to let it or not let it. To allow it, to permit it, is on me. If I, if I have a troubled heart, it's not the news' fault, it's not the fault of what's happening around me, it's not the, because of what I'm going through right now. I can go through it with a sound heart. An, a troubled heart is unsound. A troubled heart is not a sound heart. A troubled heart is not a complete heart. A troubled heart is not a heart that is governed by peace. Peace is restoration. So if I let trouble in my heart, I have just let destruction in my heart. Now you can say that that's strong, but I'm telling you that's what Jesus said, don't you let it. He said don't let it here. He said in Matthew 6, take no thought by saying, none of you can make yourselves grow by worrying about it. Don't take that thought. He said uh, in uh, dealing with the parable of the sower, he said that the ground that allowed the care of this world to enter in, that ground experienced a choking out of the word and there was no productivity of the word in that ground. He said in Luke 24 that people in the end times, and I think we are at the end of the end times, he said people in those last days are going to have their hearts fail them, their spirits will fail, their spiritual capacity to believe and to stand and to receive from God will fail them because they are looking on the things that will come. Why? It doesn't even say they're experiencing or suffering those things. They're just looking in their mind. It's their perception. They're focusing on it. They're giving it their attention and it's troubling them. And the troubled heart is an unsound heart. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Don't you let it. If Jesus said, don't let it, number one, it is within our control. You can do this. I can do this. We can govern our heart. And you do it by what you listen to and what you watch. Because if you, the way to get the word in your heart, Proverbs 4 says that you want to get the word in your heart by inclining your ear to hear and keeping it in front of your eyes. Well, that's what the enemy wants to do as well. He wants you to incline your ear to hear the latest COVID numbers. He wants you to incline your ear to hear the doctor's report. He wants you to incline your ear to hear what everybody's saying, what all that ridiculousness on social media. Just, you need to unplug, unplug, unplug from anything that troubles, anything that even has trouble seed in it. If you get it in the heart by hearing it or seeing it, let me tell you what you first have to do. If you are a person who's trying to guard your heart and you're saying, I don't want to see it, but you're, you're inadvertently, you know, you're trying to watch something on TV and the commercial pops up with stuff, well, you either need to mute it or turn it. <laughs> You've got to set up these barriers. You've got to set up the things that are going to protect your heart from allowing the enemy because we see Jesus give a different parable. He said that the enemy would come along at night and sow weeds, tares, and then the, the angels said, 
well, there's good wheat, and then right in the midst of it, there's all these tares. What do we do? And, and so that tells me the enemy is, is always trying to get some weed seed into your heart. And how's he doing it? With the eyes and with the ears. And so if you can't guard your eyes and ears, then it's because you're not trying because you can. He said, don't let it. <laughs> If you can't, it's because you don't have the right barriers up. It's because you haven't disciplined yourself enough to say, I can live without Facebook. I can live without that, that television for now. I can, I can uh, guard against what, I mean, I, when I, we don't have cable, hadn't had cable for a number of years, but there was a time that uh, when we did have a, a cable system in the house, uh, that there was a certain show that we would like to watch, but it was on a channel that had raunchy commercials I mean some channels they have raunchier commercials than others and I finally decided that show's not worth watching if I've got to encounter even if I'm muted I'm seeing things I don't want my husband or my son to see you know my son was still young and at home at the time so I'm not gonna I don't want them to to have to deal with and cast down all of that ridiculousness so I'll just quit watching it and there are some things that I've just cut out of my life because there are things around it that, that have weed seeds in them. So deal with the weed seeds. Guard yourself against weed. You don't have to allow any weed seed into your heart. You don't have to have, allow any care-producing seed, any anxiety-producing seed, any worry seed into your heart. Hallelujah. You can do it. He said, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Don't let it be troubled. Don't let your heart be troubled. The word troubled means agitated means distressed, agitated, just it's that, that kind of behind the scenes aggravated. That you don't even really blatantly know, I'm mad about that, or I'm worried about that, or I'm upset about that. But it's, you know, that phone call that has you just kind of, what am I going to, how am I going to handle that? And it's under the, under the scenery, under the, the um, uh, covers kind of, what is, what, is, what is bothering me right now? And you have to stop and realize, I'm upset because of what I heard that person said. Or I'm upset because of that letter I got in the mail, that notice I got in the mail. Or I'm upset. And then you've got to deal with that disquietedness. You know, the Apostle Paul in the Amplified Bible, when he said, I've learned in whatever state I'm in to be content, the Amplified Bible says, I have learned how to not be, I've learned how to live in a state where I am not disquieted. I've learned how to live where I am not disquieted. He had to learn it. He had to learn how to live content. He had to learn how to live in this, this place where he is structured what's coming into his eyes and ears to make sure that the heart is kept in a flow of peace. Hallelujah. Jesus is the Prince of Peace and he has given us his peace. You know, I don't want you to be under condemnation if you are in a condition right now of unrest and discouragement and worry and anxiety. God doesn't want you to be under condemnation. Condemnation is never the, the desire of God. Conviction, conviction on the other hand, is the way the Holy Spirit deals with us and it's a conviction that gives us hope. And the hope is I can choose to leave the, the 
chaos and the unrest and the disquietedness, and I can enter into the peace of God right now. He, he told the woman, go into peace. I want you to choose right now tonight. I'm going to go into peace right now. And when I leave this place tonight, when I lay my head down on my pillow tonight, I'm laying my head down in peace. I'm, I'm, I'm from this moment on governing with the peace of my prince, my Savior, my Lord, my Savior, uh, who is the Prince of Peace, will cause his restoration to have its wholeness, soundness, effectiveness in my life. And so I want to pray with you, and I want you to um, recognize that God's peace comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Savior, and he's governing us with his peace. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for the supernatural restoration to become so um, manifest and flowing and operative in the lives of your people that we begin to experience the outward manifestation of what we are receiving in our heart. Lord, for every person who has been tossed about to and fro, carried about by the situation and the circumstance and the unrest. Father, I pray that today, as they choose to enter into your peace, that supernaturally, Lord, you just wash their lives from that chaos and that destruction and that that flow of peace would begin to manifest in their heart and in their home bringing soundness to the relationships, bringing a protection and a preservation financially on their job, in their relationships, wholeness in every area. Hallelujah. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. We are going to cooperate with the peace of God by keeping our mind stayed on him. Isaiah 26 says, he, that he keeps in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. So as we go throughout this week, I want you to keep your mind stayed.